0: Welcome into Overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. I'm going to be with you up until 6 o'clock tonight when we will turn it over to Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler once again. They'll be talking Nats, taking your calls live from spring training. Plus, they're going to be joined by Cade Cavalli and Jake Alu. You can listen tonight at 6 o'clock on 106.7 The Fan or on the Odyssey app. It's going to be fun hanging with you guys as we finish up the Nats broadcast. We'll talk a little bit more. Nats, we'll dive into some of the Commanders talk Chase Young, the fifth-year option, got some things I want to talk about with that with you guys. Also want to talk about Sam Howell earlier this week. I believe it was Wednesday. He was on with Jahan Dotson was on with Grant and Danny here on 1067 the Fan. He had some interesting things to say about Eric Bieniemy, also said some things that I want to replay for you guys about Sam Howell being the quarterback going forward for the Commanders. We'll play all those things. Got to talk about Lamar Jackson, the NFL Combine. So plenty NFL stuff to talk about coming up in just a little bit. If you want to jump in, you can give us a call on the MGM National Harbor listener line at 800-636-1067. Again, that's 800-636-1067. Or you can tweet me at Toby underscore Altizer, T-O-B-I underscore A-L-T-I-Z-E-R. So I want to dive in first, again, talking about the Washington Nationals, They lose today to the Astros. Yesterday, they lost to the Cardinals. And I think that's probably going to be a lot of what you're going to see this season for the Washington Nationals. They're not going to be a team that's really contending for much other than last place in the league. So what are some things that you can watch for on this Nationals baseball team? First, I want to start by looking at what you can expect to see as the opening day roster for this baseball team. Jessica Camaretto of MLB.com projected the 23 opening day roster for this team. So we're going to look through that real quick and tell you who you can expect to see with the big league ball club as we start winding down in spring training, looking forward to opening day at the end of the month. So first of all, a couple of catchers that you're going to see probably make the roster Cabot Ruiz. You understand he's probably going to be the everyday catcher for the most part Riley Adams expected to be his backup. Then at first base, kind of going back and forth between Manessis, Joey Manessis, and Dominic Smith. Dominic Smith coming over from the Mets, and it's going to be exciting to see him really get a full chance to be an everyday guy. It seems like in New York he never got the full shake of everyday opportunities, so I'm excited to see what his bat can bring. Brings a really good glove at first base. We'll see exactly what he can do. Dominic Smith, Joey Manessis, both probably going to be alternating between DH and first base. Then at second, you got Luis Garcia. I think we all understand what he is at this point in his career. I'm excited to see if he can continue to grow. One of the guys that you're probably going to be keyed in on pretty much every day to see exactly how he does as he continues to try and carve out his role going forward with the big league club. Really one of the headliners of that deal, For Juan Soto, you get C.J. Abrams, a shortstop that we talked with Kyle Glazer. You heard some of what he had to say yesterday. And he's a guy that could be your everyday leadoff hitter going forward, a guy that's a pretty good table setter for the Nationals as they look to hopefully rebound and get some of these guys going and get some of the younger guys up established in the big leagues and hopefully compete for a World Series once again pretty soon. Looks like C.J. Abrams can hopefully be that table setter of the future. We'll see what he can become this year. At third base, you signed Jamer Candelario, spent plenty of years in Detroit. Now he joins the Nationals. He'll be a guy that I believe can play a little bit of everywhere. I think he can play a little bit of everything, but he's going to be primarily at third base. Then looking at the outfield, Corey Dickerson, Victor Robles, Lane Thomas. Those are primarily going to be your three guys out there in the outfield. And then for some bench bats, Jake Alu, again, you can hear him tonight on with Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler, give you a little bit of infield versatility off the bench, a left-handed bat. Alex Call, she projects will make the roster as a fourth outfielder, and then Ildemiro Vargas as another possible infield replacement making the roster. Then looking at the pitchers, Patrick Corbin, Josiah Gray, Trevor Williams, the guy you signed from the Mets, This past year, Mackenzie Gore and Cade Cavalli. And then looking at some relievers, this is where it gets interesting with the relievers. There's a possibility, and you heard Charlie and Dave talking about it on the broadcast today, there's a possibility that the Nationals just decide, depending upon how the rest of spring training goes, that maybe they just go with all right-handed relievers to start the year, anticipating Sean Doolittle coming back at some point, and that being your lefty. But right now... The MLB.com is projecting Kyle Finnegan, Carl Edwards Jr., Hunter Harvey, Erasmo Ramirez, Paulo Espino, Mason Thompson, Thad Ward, and the only lefty making it out of the pen, Alberto Baldonado. So we'll see what exactly you can expect out of this Nationals roster going forward. But that's the guys that you can expect to see at Nats Park on opening day as they take on the Braves in a couple of weeks. I'm excited for baseball to finally start picking up and getting in the swing of things. It's exciting to have baseball on our airwaves. Once again, I love listening to baseball. Charlie and Dave are great. So it's exciting to be talking about the nationals. Once again, even if they're not going to be a super competitive team this year, I think there are some things to watch again. We just went through what is projected to be the opening day roster. Here's some guys on the big league roster that I think we need to keep an eye on as we go throughout this season. These are the guys that I'm keeping a close eye on the first one. And the guy that I know James Wood is probably the most highly touted prospect out of the guys that was brought over in the Soto deal, even though maybe at the time it was Gore or Abrams. The guy that I was most excited to see when I saw that deal was going to go through was brought in in that deal was Mackenzie Gore. And the reason I was excited for Mackenzie Gore is because at one point, not that long ago in 2021, He was the top pitching prospect in all of baseball. He was the number six prospect, according to MLB.com. This is a guy that you're bringing over. Hopefully, Cade Cavalli can turn into something. We'll dive into him in just a little bit later. But you have some guys that hopefully Mackenzie Gore can prove himself as that top pitcher that was projected once upon a time on MLB.com's prospect list. Kyle Glazer of Baseball America said he could probably project as a solid number two maybe a really good number three, and you need those kind of guys. And he gives you a left-handed starter. I'm excited to see what Mackenzie Gore can be. I think out of all the guys that are in the majors, him and then the next guy, C.J. Abrams, are the guys I'm most excited about. Obviously, both those guys coming over in the Soto deal. Both those guys, former top 10 prospects. C.J. Abrams, another former number eight prospect overall in 2021. So in that Soto deal, I know it's disappointing not to see Juan Soto suiting up with the curly W anymore, but at the same point, you did bring in some guys that will be able to help you going forward, One, two of those guys being C.J. Abrams, Mackenzie Gore, and with Abrams, he's going to be, like I said earlier, that table setter, someone that can be, you know, the Trey Turner type, he's not going to have the speed of Trey Turner because really in Major League Baseball, no one does, but he's going to be someone that can get on base, give the pitcher a bit of a headache by stealing some bags, I'm interested to see what exactly he can become because he was rushed through the system a little bit out in San Diego. He didn't get the full chance to develop and work his way through the system because they rushed him up because of the injury to Fernando Tatis Jr. So they needed him at the big league level. They called him up pretty quickly, and he just he struggled a little bit. He held his own in terms of he was a solid defensive shortstop, but he wasn't everything that they'd expected him to be. But I don't know that you can expect a guy to just jump to the major leagues if they're not fully ready and to show out right away. So now he's had some time at the major league level to really show, all right, this is what I'm capable of. These are my strengths and weaknesses. How can we work on these things? He's had time with the major league coaches. So I think both of these guys, Mackenzie Gore, CJ Abrams, those are the guys that you really want to keep an eye out for this season. And we'll continue to get into some of these guys in just a little bit. But those two are the top of my list on guys to watch. And we'll get into some more of the major league guys, some of the guys in the minor leagues. I'm excited to talk about the Nats. We'll continue to talk about the Nats. also want to remind you again that tonight at 6 o'clock, we're going to carry overtime up to 6 o'clock. And then we'll turn it over to Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler. They're down in West Palm Beach. They'll be talking about the Nationals, taking your phone calls live from spring training They're going to be joined by Cade Cavalli and Jake Alou. You can listen to that tonight at 6 o'clock right here on 106.7 The Fan or on the Odyssey app. And maybe if you're down in West Palm Beach, I forget exactly where they're going to be. Maybe they'll tweet it out. I'm not exactly sure. But maybe you can go find them down there tonight and hang out with them, get a drink with them or whatever the case may be tonight down there in West Palm Beach. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on overtime. When we come back, we'll dive a little deeper into some of these things that we can watch for the Nationals this season good to have baseball back. We'll continue talking about it next year on Overtime on 106.7 The Fan. Welcome back into Overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. I'm your host, Toby Altizer. We're carrying you up till 6 o'clock. when We'll turn it over to Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler down in West Palm Beach. They'll be talking about the Nats. Taking your phone calls live from spring training. Plus, they're going to be joined by Cade Cavalli and Jake Alou. You can listen tonight at 6 o'clock on 106.7 The Fan right here or on the Odyssey app. So a couple things. Right now in D.C. sports, it's a little bit of a weird time. You come off uh, a couple years ago when it was, you had the Mystics winning it all, you had the Capitals winning it all, you had the Nats winning it all, and now that's not the case for pretty much anyone in D.C. anymore. I'm going to go check out the Wizards tonight as they take on the Bucks. but what's the best case scenario for the Wizards that they get into the playoffs and gets bounced early? It's weird there. The Nationals, we're going to dive into just a little bit. They're not very good. The Commanders, what are they, just hovering around 500 again next season? I'm not sure. But there's one team that's undefeated in the nation's capital, and that's the D.C. Defenders. They take down the St. Louis Battlehawks today over at Audi Field, just a couple of blocks away from where we're located here on Half Street. The Beer Snake was huge. What a win for the Defenders. Look, I don't know how much you guys are following the XFL. Personally, myself, I'm sort of keeping up with it. But there isn't a better atmosphere right now in D.C. sports. I haven't been to a Caps game in a while, so maybe I can't say a Caps game, even though they're kind of out of contention right now. But Audi Field is rocking. It looked like an awesome environment again today. So if you get the opportunity to go check out a D.C. Defenders game, let me tell you. Take every chance you get to go see that team. It sounds like a lot of fun. I got to go to the opener. It wasn't over there today, but it sounded like it was crazy again today. The beer snake reached new heights, world records type of stuff. So it sounds like an awesome atmosphere. And they're winning football games. And they're located in D.C. It's awesome. Go check it out over there at Audi Field. Next home game. I'm not sure when their next home game is, but the D.C. Defenders 3-0. Let's dive back into some of the teams that are not three and zero. They've lost their last two in spring training over the last two days, and that's the Washington Nationals. I want to give you some reasons to watch this team. You know, you it, it used to be that you could tune into this baseball team every day, and maybe you could see Max Scherzer, or you're watching Strasburg on the mound, or you have Soto at the plate, or Harper, or Trey Turner, Rendon. And none of those guys are here. So what are some reasons to watch? I laid out a couple of them for you. Mackenzie Gore and C.J. Abrams. I think we understand that a lot of this season's success isn't going to be dependent on wins and losses. It's going to be on the development of some of these young guys, probably starting off with Gore and Abrams in the Major League ranks. Next, the guy that's going to join Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler tonight at 6 o'clock, Cade Cavalli. He's another one that you want to keep an eye out for. Didn't really get a chance to see much of him last year. He had one opportunity at the big league level, struggled a bit, then had some injury issues, so he was shut down. But I'm interested to see exactly where he can slot in at. Cavalli's ranked as the 58th-ranked prospect in all of baseball, according to MLB.com, so they still believe in him. Seems like some Nats fans have kind of written him off just because he struggled in his first outing. And, yeah, it stinks when a guy comes up to the big league level and he isn't able to show what he's shown at the lower levels of baseball right away. But at the same point, that doesn't mean that they're just going to have an unsuccessful career, especially with pitchers. It's tough going up against major league hitters. It really is. So I'm interested to see what Cade Cavalli can give the Nationals this season when it looks like he's probably going to get a full opportunity of a season to see what he can become at the major league level. Some other guys I want to keep an eye on. You know, a lot of these guys are focusing on the Soto trade or some first-round picks. Now you go back to that Trey Turner and Max Scherzer deal. I want to keep an eye on Josiah Gray and Caber Ruiz. Both of those guys, I think, are going to be important going forward for this franchise. I know some and probably a majority of Nationals fans are down on Josiah Gray now after last season. But there's some interesting stats for Gray last year that I want to pull out and talk about here in just a second. Caber Ruiz is someone that I think has already established himself as a guy that can play every day at the catcher position and be your top dog at that spot. The issue with him is I need to see a little bit more production. Now, it's not like a lot of guys in the Nationals lineup going up and down are giving him opportunities to drive in runs and be a productive hitter. But even so, to finish last season with only... 36 RBIs, 7 home runs, 22 doubles. I need to see a little bit more out of him. A nice eye at the plate, only 50 strikeouts compared to 30 walks, so that was nice. But to only slug a, a 360 OPS of 673, I'd just like to see a little bit more out of him. I don't need to see him be a phenomenal hitting catcher, but I'd like to just see a little bit more out of him this season. But back to Josiah Gray. Here's where it gets interesting with Gray. So last season made 28 starts with a 7 and 10 record a 5.02 ERA and I mean looking at it like from the surface level like that it doesn't look good. It just doesn't. But when you dive in a little bit deeper you realize the main thing that Josiah Gray really struggles with is consistency. And I think if you watched his outings last year and saw kind of the ups and downs of his season last year, you understand what I'm talking about. So, obviously, with an ERA, like a 5.02, you're going to have some outings where you get hit around a little bit. So, last year, Josiah Gray had 12 starts where he gave up four runs or more. That's not good. There's no way around it. 12 out of 28 starts, he gave up four runs or more. So, the baseline for him, the floor for Josiah Gray right now, is pretty low. The problem with this is the ceiling's pretty high, so we need to find that middle ground and that consistency somewhere because last season as well, he had 12 starts where he gave up four runs or more, but he also had 12 starts where he went five innings and gave up two or fewer runs. So 12 starts where he gave up four or more runs, 12 starts where he went at least five, qualified for a win, and only gave up two or fewer runs. So consistency is key right there. Like I need to see out of Josiah Gray more of the longer outings, giving up fewer runs than the ones where he goes three innings and gives up seven. I just need to see a little more consistency. And I think that's really what separates, and when you saw this with the dominance of guys like Max Scherzer wearing the curly W, that what really separates a good to a great pitcher is good pitchers are always going to be on their – be good when they're on their A game, right? When their stuff is working for them, they're working around guys. They're just really mowing down the lineup, right? They're just going one through nine, no issue, giving up a hit here or there, walking a guy here or there. But for the most part, they're just cruising along. I think what separates the good pitchers from the great pitchers in this game is the great pitchers are able to find a way to gut it out even when they don't have their A game that day. You saw this from Max all the time where it didn't seem like he had his stuff. His pitch count might go up a little bit. It wasn't his usual seven, eight-inning performance where he strikes out ten, but he gets through five. He gets through six. He guts through it, finds a way, only gives up a run or two. Didn't look sharp, but he found a way to get through it. And that's what I think needs to happen this year with Josiah Gray to take a next step. Find a way when you're not on your game to still get out and work your way through a lineup And not get hit around and give up six, seven, eight runs. Because that was the issue with him last season. And that's why he ends up with an ERA over 5. Is because when it went bad for Josiah Gray, it went bad. But he also had stretches where he looked like one of the best pitchers in the National League. So I need some more consistency out of him this season. I'm interested to see with him. A couple more guys at the Major League level. We hit on them a little bit earlier. And talked about them a little bit yesterday as well. Joey Manessis. And Dominic Smith, you're going to see those guys kind of alternate between first base and DHing. And Joey Manessis is interesting because he's going to be leaving soon for the World Baseball Classic to play for Team Mexico. But he was an awesome story at the end of last year. And the way he played at the end of last season, if he's able to replicate that to some extent, not to the full extent, because if he plays to the full extent that he did at the end of last season, like he's competing for an MVP this year. I don't expect that out of him, but I'd expect him to at least get to some sort of form because if he's able to give you a solid bat and someone that you can depend on, he might give you a trade chip at the deadline to go get a couple more guys to pad the farm system and look down the road. Cause I like Joey Manessis, but at his age contributing to this baseball team where you're looking for, you know, maybe we'll talk about this in some time. Like when can you really expect the nationals to be competing again? It's not going to be this season. It's not going to be next season. It's probably not going to be the season after that. So now you're looking a couple seasons down the road into, what, 2026? Joey Manessas at that time is going to be getting up there in age. If you can get something for him at the deadline because he's still hitting, he can really help out this rebuild, even though he's not going to be in a curly W anymore. And then Dominic Smith is someone that's interesting as a 27-year-old that you think could still contribute for this baseball team going forward, even into a couple years from now when it looks like some of these younger guys might be coming up. And he's someone that has shown some flashes, but he hasn't had full opportunities with the New York Mets. One season he played a full year of 145 games, but outside of that, and it's not because of injuries he was missing all this time, it just was opportunities just weren't there. You know Whether he was blocked by other guys, the Mets just didn't trust him with an everyday type of role. Whatever the case may be, he's going to have an opportunity with the Nationals because no one's coming up to steal his job. That's just not going to be the case this year. And he's going to have the opportunity to just prove what he can be at the Major League level. He's someone that going forward could maybe be the first baseman for this team, and he's going to have an opportunity to really grab that role this year. So I'm interested to see what he can become. And then there's a couple guys... The top three prospects in the Nationals farm system that if you're not worried about the team playing down at Nats Park this year, the big league ball club, but you're interested in some of these younger guys, the three names to keep an eye on as they continue to develop, because I highly doubt it. I don't think there's any chance that some of these guys are making the big league roster, but James Wood, Robert Hassel third, and Elijah Green. Elijah Green's your first round pick from this past year, a good speed power combo. Already comes in at MLB.com's number 46 ranked prospect and hasn't really had a chance to show himself for a full season yet, so I'm excited to see what he can become. Saw some videos of him down at spring training and the ball, the sound off his bat, the ball just explodes off his bat, so I'm excited to see what he can become. Robert Hassel III, a guy that's ranked as a 35th ranked prospect on MLB.com, a lefty a smooth, all-around kind of outfielder. excited to see what he can become as he continues to work his way up, a younger guy. And the guy that I'm most excited about, possibly in the entire Nationals organization right now, is James Wood. Dude is huge. And a guy that he reminds me of when I saw him take a couple ABs uh, uh, this past week for the Nats. I believe when they were playing the Yankees, he got uh, some action. Six foot seven, 220 pounds is who he reminds me of, O'Neal Cruz. Whereas James Wood is six seven, 240. Both lefties, and they both can just smash a baseball. Absolutely crush it. And when I was out in Milwaukee still, I was able to see O'Neal Cruz a couple of times. And one game I was at, he hit the hardest home run, I believe, ever recorded in StatCast history. It was like 113 off the bat, something like that. The the fastest second-deck home run I've ever seen, just out of there in a jiffy. And I think you can see some of that stuff with James Wood. Now, obviously, with a six-seven frame comes some strikeouts and different things, but the one thing that I really like from James Wood, from reading about him, is he's a five-tool type of player, but he comes from more of a basketball background, so he's going to have an athleticism that is more geared to other sports than just baseball. And if you get what I'm saying here, like he's going to be an athlete on the base paths. He's going to be an athlete in the outfield covering ground. He's going to be an athlete at the plate. You see this with Mookie Betts, being able to play different sports and using that to his ability in baseball and adding to his repertoire. I think you'll see that with James Wood a little bit as he continues to work his way through. He's not going to be in the big leagues this year. I doubt he gets a call-up at any point this year, If there's anything you don't want to do right now for the Nationals, it's rush any of these guys through because it doesn't do you any good to have them on the big league ball club and continue to lose. But keeping an eye on all these guys, I think is going to be an interesting part of this season and see what happens with the Nationals going forward this year. Even though the wins and losses might not uh, be a pretty stat to see, looking at what these guys are able to do on the field, I think is going to be a fun part of this season for the Nationals. All right, we're going to take a break from the Nationals talk. I want to get into some Commander's talk. Chase Young, fifth-year option. The deadline to pick that up comes up in May. Ron Rivera hinted at maybe not picking up the fifth-year option. I don't think that's a wise idea. I'll tell you why next here on Overtime on 106.7 The Fan. Welcome back into Overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. Toby Altizer carrying you up till 6 o'clock, and we'll turn it back over to Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler down in West Palm Beach, taking your calls and talking about the Nats down at spring training. They'll be joined by Cade Cavalli and Jake Lou. You can listen tonight at 6 o'clock on 106.7 The Fan or on the Odyssey app. Chase Young, his fifth-year option. The deadline is May 1st for the Commanders to pick that up. And Ron Rivera hinted at possibly not picking it up as a motivation tactic. They said, maybe try something like what happened with Deron Payne this past year, where Deron Payne, he ends up having a career year going into this offseason. The Commanders end up franchise tagging him. They're going to try and work on a long-term deal. We'll see exactly what happens with Deron Payne. But good for Deron Payne. He gets... He gets cash in his pocket for really showing out this past season. And they're maybe thinking, okay, we could try something like that with Chase Young, and we'll see what happens if it motivates him and he shows out, and then we'll just figure out the following offseason what happens. But here's why I don't think this is a good idea. And maybe Ron Rivera is not looking this far down the road because he looks at this season as it for him. Maybe that's what he's thinking, and that's why he's doing this. But if you're looking long term here for the commanders, This is why I don't think it's a good idea. One, let's look at Chase Young as a player before we get into some of the contract details. First of all, we've seen 27 career games out of Chase Young. And I understand that the last two seasons have not been good, right? The nine games of his second year, they were not good. Only one and a half sacks, three tackles for loss, not a whole lot going on. He didn't look like the same player. I don't know if it was that his technique got worse. He was stuttering off the line of scrimmage. Things that you don't want to see out of your number two overall pick, stud defensive end, you were seeing out of Chase Young in his second year. So I get that that wasn't good. And then you look at this season, and I don't know what you want to make of it. To me, I just wanted to see him get back out on the field and prove that he could play football at a high level again. And I think he was able to prove that He can do that. We'll see if he can get to the elite edge rusher that you drafted him to be. But in terms of his physical ability, I was able to see him get back out on the football field and move and do the necessary things on a football field to be that guy. So what you see there is 12 total games out of 27. The 15 games of his rookie year were an exciting 15 games. Don't forget this guy won defensive rookie of the year finished his rookie year with four forced fumbles, recovered three of them, seven and a half sacks, 10 tackles for loss, 12 quarterback hits. They're not wowing numbers, I would say, in terms of elite edge rushers in the NFL, but they're good. They're good numbers. And so if we're going to lay this out the way we're looking at it, 27 total games, 15, 15 is rookie year, and then 12 after that, you could argue you've seen more good football than bad out of Chase. Now, it's a problem that it's near 50-50. There's no doubt about that. But you could argue you've seen more good football out of Chase than bad. So then why do I think it is an issue not to pick up the fifth-year option? The reason is happening right now with the New York Giants. Daniel Jones, I don't know if you've been paying attention and seen these things going on up with in New York with Danny Dimes, but Daniel Jones is asking for 45 46 $47, 48000000 million dollars this season to play quarterback for the New York Giants. And the reason that I look at that and say it's an issue is because the Giants last season had the opportunity to already have Daniel Jones under contract for this year if they would have just picked up his fifth-year option. They could work on an extension maybe this offseason, but they would have already had him under contract, so if nothing else, they knew that they had him at quarterback this year, and then they could work on the Saquon Barkley issues. Well, now, both those guys are free agents, and the number that they would have paid Daniel Jones if they would have picked up the fifth-year option was $22.4 million. That's a big difference from 45. You know, you look at the tag number for Daniel Jones, which it looks like it might come to that, The deadline for the franchise tag comes up in just a couple of days, March 7th, $32.4 million for the tag for Daniel Jones. So they essentially were playing with $10 million. Now you look at another situation that's similar. We'll get back to Daniel Jones in just a second. Josh Jacobs, last season for the Raiders. They had an opportunity to pick up the fifth-year option. They declined. Josh Jacobs led the NFL in rushing this past year. And now they tagged him, or he's more than likely headed to a franchise tag. Not as big a deal out in Vegas, because the difference between the fifth-year option option for Josh Jacobs was eight million to ten point oh nine million for the franchise tag. You're playing with two million dollars there, essentially. So you're saying if Josh Jacobs continues to be the back he's been throughout his career, we let him walk. We never have to pay him the eight million dollars. Stinks that we drafted him in the first round. He never panned out to be exactly what we wanted, but we're not going to tie ourselves to eight million dollars to a running back that we don't feel is elite. Now, last year he proved himself. You tag him, you cost yourself two million extra dollars. It might handcuff your roster just a little bit, not a whole lot, right? Two million dollars is not going to really hurt your salary cap in the long run. The difference between twenty-two point four for a fifth-year option for Daniel Jones and a possible four-year, $160 million contract that someone said the Giants would be willing to offer at $40 million a year, that's an $18 million difference. And the reason the Giants are in this situation to begin with, again, is because they didn't pick up the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones. And I'm not saying they made the wrong decision to not pick it up, because I wouldn't have picked it up on Daniel Jones either. And I'm also not paying him $45 million a year. 15 touchdowns, no chance. But here's why I say all this. You have the opportunity to franchise tag or to pick up the fifth-year option of Chase Young, which would be about $17.452 million going into, not this season, the following season. The franchise tag for defensive ends is projected for the following season to be about $24.5 million. This year, it was $19.7 million the 2024 franchise tag is projected to be about $24.5 million. Essentially, you're playing with $7 million here. $2 million in in the salary cap, you can work around that. $7 million, that's some good players. And then the issue becomes, too, do players want to play on the franchise tag? There are plenty of players that don't want to do this. We can get into Lamar Jackson's situation. Will he play on the franchise tag? Who knows? But think about the Daniel Jones situation where if he gets franchise tagged, is he playing this season on that tag? And if I'm Daniel Jones, my relationship with the New York Giants front office isn't the best to begin with because you didn't pick up my fifth year option. Why would I give you a discount to come back to play for the New York Giants when you didn't believe in me to stick around for two more years? You gave me one more chance. And look, Credit to Brian Dable for putting everything together and making it work, but I laid this out yesterday. If I'm Daniel Jones and the Giants say, hey, man, can you come down off that price a little bit? No, dude. You had an opportunity to have me back for $22 million, and you said no to that because you didn't believe in me. Pay me my 45, or I'll go elsewhere. And guess what? If you do that sort of thing, you might make Chase Young consider going somewhere else. If you if you are if you pick up that fifth year option on Chase Young, you have him for this season and the next season. And there's a bunch of guys that make a lot of money at that defensive end position, edge rusher position. We'll look at some of those guys. I want to get your thoughts as well. What do you think about this Chase Young fifth year option? I think that the Commanders need to pick it up. I don't think there's any doubt. I want to get some of your thoughts. You can give us a call on the MGM National Harbor listener line at 800-636 again, 800-636-1067. We'll look at some of the edge rushers that are getting paid handsomely and what Chase Young might be asking for if they don't pick up that fifth-year option and he balls out. We'll do all that next here on Overtime on 106.7 The Fan. Welcome back into Overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. Toby Altizer carrying you up until 6 o'clock with Charlie Slows and Dave, Dave, Dave Dave Jagler to follow. They're going to be talking about the Nationals down at spring training and taking your calls. Plus, they'll be joined by Cade Cavalli and Jake Liu. You can listen tonight starting at 6 o'clock right here on 106.7 The Fan or on the Odyssey app. Talking about Chase Young, his fifth-year option, Ron Rivera, a little bit earlier this offseason, hinted that maybe they won't pick it up depending upon different factors. And I just don't think that's a good decision. Again, laying it out for you, the fifth-year option number for Chase Young not this season, but the following season, would be $17.452 million. The projected franchise tag number that season would be $24.478 million. That coming from overthecap.com. And so I think in general, you're saving yourself about $7 million there just in case Chase Young has a good season next year. So let's just play a game of hypotheticals here because this is where I'd find myself thinking that it's a good idea to pick up that fifth-year option. Let's say that the commanders decide to not exercise that fifth-year option. This is Chase Young's final year in D.C. These are some guys in the National Football League right now that are making more than $17.5 million at the edge rusher position. Harold Landry and Cam Jordan are both making 17 and a half. Von Miller is making 20. Leonard Williams is making 21. Bradley Chubb, 22. Khalil Mack, 23 and a half, as well as Max Crosby. 25 for Miles Garrett, 27 for Joey Boza, and 28 for TJ Watt. And then you got to think, too, Nick Boza's up for a contract extension pretty soon. Could be even this offseason. He's going to join the ranks up there, probably in that 30 range, maybe even up to somewhere like 35. Imagine Chase goes out there this season and has a similar type of impact that he did his rookie year. How much money do you think he's making? One, you start at that franchise tag number more than likely. So you're starting about 24 and a half, 25. And if I'm his agent, it's pretty easy to sell getting a pretty big contract with Chase Young. He still wouldn't be very old, I believe. uh, Let's see. He's going into this season at the age of 24. And so after the season, he'd be 24, 25. So he'd be a free agent, say 25 years old, have the opportunity to sign somewhere to a longer-term deal. He's the former number two overall pick. You could sell them on the fact that he's still got untapped potential. You could sell them on the fact that he's got all the tools. He just didn't receive the right coaching in Washington. And he's going to ask probably for 25, 26, 27, if he does really well next season and it's his last year, could be getting into that same sort of range as Nick Boza. Not saying he's on the same level as Nick Boza, but you know exactly how these contract negotiations go. So if you're the commanders, there's a possibility that by not picking up that fifth-year option, you're looking at having to pay 27, 28, 29 for Chase as opposed to 17 and a half for the fifth year option. I don't think that's a good business practice, even though there are definitely some questionable things about Chase Young, no doubt. It's definitely been disappointing to see what you've seen the last couple of seasons. You look at that second year, and he just didn't look like that same guy. And I don't know what the reason is. And you hope that maybe if it was because of the different things he was doing off the field, whether it be the commercials, whether it be all the the other stuff that comes with being a superstar in the NFL, distracted him from being the elite edge rusher that he was drafted to be. Not sure what all that was. But if you don't pick it up and he balls out, you are costing yourself money, or you're costing yourself another year of having Chase Young on this football team. And I just don't think it's a wise option. I don't think it's a good choice. Look where the Giants are going right now with Daniel Jones. Again, I don't fault them for not picking up the fifth-year option, but the whole reason that they're in this situation right now is because they didn't pick up the fifth-year option. If they would have picked it up, they'd be paying him $22.5 million this year, and they wouldn't be trying to pay the guy $45 million, which he's asking for. That's the exact situation you're staring in the face. That's exactly what you're looking at. An extra eight, nine, ten, if not more, million dollars a year for Chase Young if you don't pick up the fifth year option and he plays well. Now you say, okay, what's the other side? He doesn't play well and you pick up the fifth year option. That's obviously unfortunate. Obviously, you drafted this guy at number two overall for a reason. You know, many people thought he was the best player in that draft. But I think. It's worth the risk to pay your former number two overall pick $17.5 million. I think it's worth that risk to say, you know what? I'll bank on him getting back to some sort of form where he's playing good football again. I'll bank on the fact that this guy has all the talent in the world and he's going to be driven now. You know what? Now he's seen the fact that, guess what? If I don't put in the work, I don't get to be the 10-sack guy. This isn't college where I can just rely solely on talent. I have to work at my craft in the national football league. I think you're going to see him come out motivated this next season. I really hope so. At least I really hope that he can come out motivated and you can put this whole D line together again and give Sam Howell some help on the other side of the football by making it so that he doesn't feel like he has to go out and win football games. Look, The ideal situation next season is you have Deron Payne back. You have Chase Young play well. You have Sweat play well. Allen, you have this whole defense play like a really good unit from start to finish next season. And you have Sam Howell realize, look, dude, I don't have to be the guy. I don't have to be the one putting this team on my back, carrying them to wins. I think that's the ideal way to do it. And I think going forward, Chase Young being a part of this football team is the smarter choice, and giving yourself a couple years to see if he can be that guy is better than saying, you know what? Let's not pick up that fifth-year option. Let's make this his final season. It's a motivating tactic. Look, motivation's nice, and doing that might be nice, and maybe it would work for a career year out of Chase Young. Maybe that's the case, but I'm not willing to pay $10 million extra the following season to do it. I'm hoping that the Commanders, this is my dream, the Commanders pick up the fifth-year option, you get a good year out of Chase Young this next season, you get another good year, and then you pay him when he hits that free agency mark after two seasons. Don't make it come up after one, or you're costing yourself money. I just think it's foolish to put yourself in that situation where you could end up having to pay him after next season, and if he does play well, you're costing yourself money. What are your thoughts on Chase Young, the fifth-year option? You can give us a call on the MGM National Harbor listener line, 800-636-1067. Again, 800-636-1067. want to get some of your guys' thoughts on this. Again, the, the simple numbers, 17 and a half, basically for the fifth-year option or 24 and a half for the franchise tag coming up next year. Which one are you choosing? I'm choosing just pick up the fifth-year option and we'll work with it. We'll get to some of your phone calls and talk more about this next year on Overtime on 106.7 The Fan. Welcome back into Overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. Toby Altizer hanging out with you guys till we turn it back over to Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler at 6 o'clock. They'll be talking about the Nationals down at spring training. They're going to be joined by Cade Cavalli and Jake Alou. That's at 6 o'clock right here on 106.7 The Fan or on the Odyssey app. Make sure you keep it tuned right here. Talking about Chase Young and his fifth-year option want to get to some of your phone calls. You give us a call on the MGM National Harbor Listener line at 800-636-1067. Some guys, just the nature of the business, get every opportunity to prove themselves. And that's just how it is. And one of those kind of opportunities, one of those places, is when you're drafted number two overall. You've seen it with quarterbacks that are drafted early in the first round, Right continually getting chance after chance after chance despite other guys maybe being better than them because there's a reason that you gave up that draft capital. There's a reason you selected them that high. They have the potential. You want to make sure that they get every every opportunity to take that spot that you were trying to give to them. And Chase Young was drafted number two overall for a reason. He should get every opportunity to prove himself. He's had a couple of opportunities, right, when you look at his seasons. But if we're being honest, he's really had, I'd say, two opportunities. This past year, you can kind of throw out, in my opinion, because, again, he's just trying to get back out on the football field and prove that he can play after the injury. So his rookie year, I think he proved he can play. His second year, he proved that if he doesn't put the work in, he can look like that. So he's batting 500 50 50-50, good and bad. But I think he deserves every opportunity. And to make it so that he only gets one more opportunity to prove himself in D.C. before he has to get paid by the commanders or someone else or he's out of town, I think is foolish. I think you got to pick up that fifth-year option. Let's get out to the phone lines. Let's get out to PJ in Reston. He wants to talk about Chase Young. PJ, what's going on?
1: Hey, happy day to you. Uh, it's always, it's a privilege, not a right to be on there. So uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, so I'm going to try to squeeze out two, possibly three things, if, if time allows, you know? Sure. Uh, so the, the first thing is I 100% agree with you about Chase Young, uh, I've heard a lot of pushback about getting him that, that fifth-year uh, fifth option. Uh, some of the other shows, which I respect, all the shows on this air, uh, some of the, pe- the people on those shows are pushing against that. Uh, I respectfully go exactly with what you're saying. It, it really, I don't think it would be very intelligent to not pick up the fifth-year option because he's so talented, he's so good. I mean, he was in, he's been injured a lot of times. We can't mm-hmm. hold that against him. So give him that fifth-year option. Now you've got two years more two more years with them and the the thing about a defensive line it's not like it it's you need if you have just one or two guys all of a sudden it changes how good jonathan allen Duran montez sweat is when you have four of these guys up front you can't double team one of them mm-hmm. it, it, it changes the dynamics the other thing i want to squeeze out is this something that nobody's talked about but uh this is kind of a nerdy thing uh Dak Dak Prescott led the NFL with 15 interceptions this year. People were making fun of him. He throws these many picks. Something that's really weird is that if you look at the NFL in the 80s, 90s, and even up to 10 years ago, you would have every year about five or six guys with 20 or plus interceptions. Testaverde used to throw... 32 interceptions like every year. So my question is, why does nobody talk about the fact that they're throwing way more than they used to, but the interceptions are way down? Like 15 years ago, if somebody had 25, interceptions, 25 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, you would say, oh, he had a good year. Sure. Now when somebody has 13 interceptions, people are saying... They have the throwing a lot. It makes no sense. Like, they're throwing the ball so much more. They should be having 40 interceptions. Sure. So, uh, I, I feel like people are, are not understanding how good these quarterbacks today are to throw so few interceptions.
0: Yeah. PJ, I appreciate the phone call. I'll answer that in just a second. I want to get back to the Chase Young thing, and then I'll answer that for you. So, with Chase Young, I think you can make the argument, and maybe this is what some of the other shows have been saying. I haven't necessarily heard all their takes on the Chase Young fifth-year option thing. You can make the argument that he doesn't deserve the fifth-year option. I think you can argue that, and you can definitely make a solid argument that they shouldn't give it to him because he doesn't deserve it. But not everything in sports is just about being fair and equal and just. Like, Look, this guy was drafted number two overall. He's got all the talent in the world. I'm going to give him every opportunity to prove himself. Like I said earlier, I'm going to give him the next two seasons to show me why he should be on this football team. And my hope is that he shows me and I pay him big money to stay around. That's my hope. Now, if he doesn't, you let him walk and it was a mistake with the number two overall pick. You should have taken Herbert or Tua or whatever. Fine. But I think overall, you got to give him the chance to prove himself. And number two on that, there are a couple things that you like to build a football team on. The, The most important positions on a football team. Quarterback is number one, and it's not, not a question about it. Number two would be left tackle, probably, to go alongside that with your quarterback. And then right after that, when you're looking at it, probably edge rusher, defensive end. So Chase Young is playing at a premium position. He's shown flashes of being able to play at an elite level. I'm really interested to see what exactly happens. Real quick, I want to also answer PJ's question about why there's fewer interceptions. Because it's played differently. You say, well, they throw the football more. They do throw the football more, but think about old football, right? Old football was run the football, run the football, and when you needed to, you passed. So, what are types of passing situations? Third and seven, where you really have to pick up eight to 10 yards and you're throwing it. Think about watching an NFL game now bubble screen, quick screen, drag route. They're not throwing the ball 15 yards down the field. Like, I'd be interested to look. I've never done this, and I'm sure uh, some there's some stats out there on it. I Wonder what like the average depth of target now is for like a NFL quarterback now, as opposed to the decades he was talking about where they were throwing 20 interceptions. Because if you look back at some of the numbers of some of the quarterbacks back in the day, like Joe Namath, pff, not very impressive numbers. But yeah, it's an interesting point. It is, but I think it's different in the way that it's played. In a lot of ways, football is the same. It just changes how it's played, right? It's still important to pick up short amounts of amounts of yardage because you know you can depend on it, and it maybe isn't done by running the football anymore. It's just in the short passing game. Let's get another phone call in here. Let's get out to Ralph, who's in D.C. Ralph, what's going on, man?
1: Thirty-six twenty-five. How you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. Um, on the Chiefs. I think we need to pick up that fifth-year option.
0: we a little bit cause he's a raw. He's a role athlete, mm-hmm. and we got. We need to, you know, see us right the yet, cause you know he was hurt for like the whole year. You might as well see, and we need to just go and pick up that fifth-year option, and you know, cause we, you know, we we trying to make some happen here uh, with the command. One hundred percent, Ralph. Appreciate the phone call. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't been down to fedex or seen the commanders since chase young's been in uniform donald's producing today have you been able to see chase young yet have you seen him i have yes i mean you can attest to this that dude is huge he looks different than the other guys on the football field definitely and even if you've seen pictures of him just like out you know out of uniform without pads and things like that just street clothes huge dude like that, like built different. Yes. Like I know it's said a lot. He's built different. Yeah, he stands out in a crowd for sure. And Washington has a couple of those guys because I think Montez Sweat looks like one of those kind of guys too. But Chase Young for sure. And to Ralph's point, that dude is just different. And so I'm going to give him an opportunity. It'd be different if it's a guy, let, let, let's use a basketball analogy, where he's only a three-point shooter. He's a little bit smaller. He's got some talent, but he hasn't been knocking down threes. Do you pay the guy? No. But this guy can do everything, and he's built like a freak. So I'm going to give him a chance. Maybe he hasn't shown it to me lately, but I'm going to give him a chance to show it to me again because this dude is just built different. You don't get guys like this on your football team very often. Don't let him walk out the door unless you know for a fact he's not going to work out. And that's why I'm picking up that fifth-year option. That's why I think it makes sense. Talking about a dude that's built different. Small guy, a little compact. Got a cannon of an arm, Sam Howell. I'm interested to see what he can do this season. want to talk about Sam Howell. Earlier this week, Jahan Dotson, I believe it was Wednesday, was on with Grant and Danny. He had some interesting things to say about both Eric Bieniemy, also about Sam Howell. How confident are you in Sam Howell as a starting quarterback going into next season? You can give us a call on the MGM National Harbor listener line at 800-636-1067. Again, 800-636-1067. Talk about Sam Howell next here on Overtime at 1067 The Fan.